tonight, before we start, I would like to read something to you. I kind of did my little um, adaptation because you know us women, you cannot leave a, a, a women conference without reading Proverbs 31 woman. It would not be a, a ladies conference without it, right? But you know, I don't know about you, but for me, when I read the Proverbs 31 woman, I'm like, who is she? You know what I mean? Do you relate to her? Because I surely don't. So I said, you know what? I'm going to write my Proverbs 31 woman. Something I can, the Proverb 31 of the 21st century. Is that okay? Hallelujah. So, ladies, Proverbs 31 women. Yes, I am more precious than rubies. My husband does trust me because, unlike I love Lucy, I refuse to hide anything from my husband to lie or manipulate him to get my own way. You know what I'm talking about, right? I love Lucy. Sorry, I don't want any wool or any flax. Knitting is not my thing. I work with my hands, but it's mostly on my computer. Yes, I can bring my food from afar. Nevertheless, there is a grocery store close by. And why should I waste time and gas anyway? (laughs) If I get up while it is still night, it is not to prepare food for my household, but to make a fresh pot of coffee because the Lord maybe woke me up to pray. I have no servants in which to give a portion. Unfortunately, that means I have to do my own cleaning. But I have a good dishwasher, a vacuum cleaner, and a washing machine, and that really helps. I considered buying and selling fields, but with inflation and the real estate crash, it wasn't worth it. As far as growing my own vineyard, I gave up, because the store close by has all the produce I need. Yes, I gird myself with strength and I strengthen my arms because week after week I carry my grocery bags. I cannot say that my lamp never goes out by night. Sorry, I am a morning person. But if my cell phone flashes, that lets me know that someone out there maybe needs me. I don't know how to hold a spindle or a distaff, nor am I interested. But I do use my knowledge and gifts to be a blessing to others. Oh, I'm not afraid of snow. Thank God I live in Florida and I don't have to shovel. I don't have to make my own clothes because anyway, the fabric costs much more than the clothes I find on sale. I can laugh laugh at the future because even if the world is falling apart, I know that God will take good care of me. I can open my mouth with wisdom, but often it means that I choose to keep it closed. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, and anyway, it's never been my strong point. Overall, I love God and I love life. My heart is for my family and it's my first priority. And everything I do is not always glorious and exciting, but I choose to do it for the glory of God. And my desire is that my life, my ambitions, and my obedience to the Lord is what will bring him praise. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Ladies, you are Proverbs 31 women. So make your own proverb and let it... Let it fit you. Amen. I thank God that God didn't make us one mold, one model, one size fits all. We're all different. We're all beautiful. But we saw this weekend we are all loved by God. But you know, um, tonight I want to talk. It's not going to be anything you, um, you know, I'm not going to go super deep. But you know, I think it's still going to be deep because we're going to talk about the love of the Father. Amen. But you know, we all know, we all know that we all got saved because God loves us. We've all heard about the unconditional love of God. 
right? We all know that when, ladies, we got saved, it was we didn't have to do anything to get saved. We just accepted the love of God and just got saved, accepted it. But then you know what happened after that? That unconditional love kind of turned into a kind of conditional love. What do I mean? And you've heard in churches even before that, you know, if you act right, then God's going to bless you. Or, you know, if you, um, now if you don't act right now, God might not want a fellowship with you. Or, you know, if you, um, if you don't, you know, walk straight, then mm, God is not going to use you. Don't look at me so innocent. Ask me how I know. Because just like you, I started, you know, our first love, where we know here we are, God, just as I am. Amazing grace. But then, as you start now, walking with God and, 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 and living with God, all of a sudden, it starts feeling like, well, now, yeah, I got saved by grace. God loves me. Here I am. But now, it's up to me. I've got I've to make it happen. And then we've got now that, oh, instead of that unconditional love now, we've been taught to walk in that, yeah, God is going to bless you if you do this and this. Oh, yeah, God's going to use you if you got all your ducks in a row. You've got to fast, you've got to do this for God to use you. And oh, if you don't, you know, walk straight, if you do one little thing wrong or whatever, little or big, then God cannot bless you like that. Hello. You like, you ladies look way too holy. I see those things shining over your head. Mm-mm, no, we all have been there. We all maybe are still there, some of us. Where we are thinking now that God is grading us according to our performance. How well we, be, we act. That God is measuring us and grading us according to how well we, we walk. How well we pray. How long we do, how long we pray. How much of the Bible we read. Or how many times do we go to, or do we tithe, or do we do this. Then. Mm-hmm. But here is the problem. If we start feeling or thinking that God is grading us according to our performance, you know what's going to create in us? It's going to create insecurity. It's going to create a sense of unworthiness and even condemnation. Or you're always going to appear before God apologizing about yourself. Have you met people before they pray? They feel like they've got to set everything straight. And apologizing because of this or because of that. Thank you for that honest lady over here. I'll take that nod anytime. But it's true. But the truth is there is nothing, nothing we can do or cannot do that's going to make us God, that's going to make God love us more or less. Nothing we can do. And the same unconditional love that caused us to give our heart to the Lord is that same unconditional love that God wants us to walk in day in and day out. His love has not changed. Hallelujah. Listen to this. Ephesians 1.6 says that God has made us accepted in the beloved to the glory and praise of his grace. God has made us. He has made us accepted. And the word accepted, I love it. It's the Greek word charito. It's the same word that was used in uh, uh, Luke one twenty eight when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and says, Oh Mary, highly favored of the Lord. But you know what is interesting, Mary? You know how she responded? She said, what kind of greeting is that? She was surprised. That is like a lot of Christians today. You know why she was surprised? If Gabriel would have told her, you scumbag, 
You didn't pray enough. Well, God is still maybe going to use you. She would not have been surprised. Because most of the people today, when if God was to appear before them, they would expect a rebuke. They would expect God to try to set them straight. Hello. But what did the angel Gabriel, here's a young little lady, and he said, you highly favored of the Lord. And it's the exact same word that God is is looking at us and he says, God has made us highly, not just just favored, highly favored of the Lord. You are not just favored, you are highly favored of the Lord. And you know what I love what Jesus said? Jesus said, he said, the same love, the father loves me. And the same love with which the father loves me, the father loves you. And we have no problem knowing that God loves Jesus. But when it comes to us, we see ourselves as second grade you know, insufficient and said, how could God love me? Jesus said, no, no, no. You know what? The father loves you with the same love, with the same intensity, just as the father loves me. And you know what is interesting is the day when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, the, the heavens opened up and God, the father spoke and he says, this is my son, son in whom I am well pleased. Did you know that Jesus hadn't done one miracle yet? Hadn't done one good thing. He hadn't preached one sermon. He hadn't raised one dead. He hadn't opened one blind. No, nothing. But yet the father spoke before Jesus even entered the scene. And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so you know that same love that the father just poured upon Jesus. That's the same love with which he loves you. You are highly favored of the Lord. You are accepted in the beloved just because of you, you just chose to believe in Jesus and accept Jesus and put your faith in Jesus. Or you see, this kind of unconditional love, that no strings attached kind of love, no condition. God is going to love you when you're lovely, when you're not. You know, here is the key. God loves you not because you're lovable, but because he's love. God wants to bless you. I mean, pour it all on you. Not because you're just doing everything right, but just because God is good. And God wants to use you, not because you've got all your ducks in a row, but God wants to use you because he's kind. That's who he is. And he wants everything. I mean, he wants to use you in a good sense. He wants to flow through you. And he wants to shine through you. And he wants to, to use you for his glory more than you ever want to. But yet most of us, we thought, I'm not ready. I don't know. I'm not, I haven't prayed enough. I haven't done this enough. I haven't. You know, if you feel somebody, somewhere you see somebody has a need and needs to have hands laid on, you know, the... So often people said, I mean, here she's got cancer. I cannot pray for her. I'm not ready. What are you saying? That God wants to use you when you're ready? That God wants to use you when you do everything right? In another word, you're saying, according to your performance, God's going to use you. No, no. God is love. God is good. God is kind. And he just wants to pour his love, unconditional love, no strings attached on you. It's silent in that Catholic church tonight. No, I'm just kidding. Let it sink in. You know, here is, I don't care how many times we hear about the love of God. We've got to hear it and hear it and hear it again. Because you know what? Here is the key. Is that that, that, that love, it's called grace. Unconditional, it's called grace. And what is grace? Grace is God, unmerited, undeserved love. It's, grace is even more than that. It's his generosity towards you. Is wanting just to pour it all out on you and just spoil you 
in a good way and bless you more than until you said no more, no more. Is it? I mean, I'm pitching myself. God, stop it. That's how much God wants to bless you. It's his acceptance of you. Not because you're so perfect, because none of us are. Sorry to burst your bubble tonight. But not because we're perfect, but because we are his children. We are sons in Jesus Christ. Male and female, that is. Oh, glory to God. God is so good. His grace is also that divine ability wanting to flow through us to do what you could not do in the natural. And you see, that grace, because it's grace, you cannot earn it or merit it or do anything to deserve it. Even the Bible says, listen to that verse. In Romans eleven six. it says, if it is by grace, then it is no longer of works or between parentheses by your own efforts then it would no longer be grace. If the love of God and his grace towards you has any kind of strings attached, it stops from being grace. It stops from being love. Hallelujah. And that is the reason why what I want to talk about tonight is that we have got to learn to stand in that love. Listen to what that verse says. In Romans chapter 5 verse 2. I'm going to read it from another version. I think it's the English standard version. Oh no, it's from God's word. That's the Bible version. It says, through Christ, we can approach God and stand in his favor. You know what that shows me standing? It's like... You've got to learn to put both feet in that love and in that favor and not move away from it. That's why even the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians. You, did you notice that a, a Paul, if you look at his prayers, he never prayed that God would give us more power or that God would give us more love or that God would give us more anointing or that God would give us more of anything. Paul never prayed that. But yet, most of the people in the church are praying, God, give us more love, give us more power, give us more anointing. And God is scratching his head and said, I gave it all. I gave him, them, everything they need. But you know what Paul prayed? And I love, that's one of my favorite prayers. It's in Ephesians chapter uh, 3. In verse 14 through 19, he says, I pray that you would be strengthened in your inner man with might. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. I'm going to say it again. That you being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the width? What is the length? What is the depth? What is the height of the love of God? And listen to this. That passes all knowledge and understanding. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. So in another word. Let me backtrack here. If you're not filled with the fullness of God. It's not a power problem coming from God. It's not a love problem coming from God. It is a under knowledge of the love of God. That we don't really have a revelation of the love of God for us. That we have not learned to be not only accept that love. But being rooted and grow roots in the love. And being grounded in that love. And you notice that love it says it's beyond knowledge and understanding. You know that that means that our little peanut brain cannot even comprehend that kind of love. It's such a radical love. It's such a love that is so out of the box and out of the norm that we have a hard time going. Our our mind and our heart is going, how could God love me like this? Because we are so used to relate to one another according to, you know, if you love me, I love you. If you invite me to dinner, I'll invite you to dinner. If you do this, I'll do that. If you behave well, you get a little lollipop. (laughs) We're so used to that. 
That when we are told that God loves us with such a radical love, that even when you're not so lovely, even when you mess up in the bottom of the pit, and you've done something you, you said you'll never do, even there, God's love is so radical. It's so awesome. It's so beyond your imagination and your understanding that your little fuse are going... You blow a fuse. That's a word. Amen. Oh, glory to God. God's love is so beyond. We can It takes the grace. You know, there is a verse that says that God is given grace for grace. And I always look at that verse and say, what does he mean? He gives us grace for grace. Because the grace of God, the love of God is so beyond our understanding that it takes the grace of God to process the grace of God. It takes the God's revelation and divine ability to be able to hear it and accept it and walk in it. But God's got that for us too. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I love that. We've got to, to be f- ladies to walk in the fullness of God. That's why we got this conference. You see, to walk so in a, such a radical uh, way with Jesus. To, be, to feel so radically feeling loved by God. That's when, I love what that, what that conference is about. It says, a woman that feels loved is secure, is confident, will not have, be afraid to go and talk to a stranger and say, Jesus loves you. That kind of woman that feels so loved will have no problem to see a, a hurting person and says, what's going on? Can I help you? Oh, you need, you, you just found out that you, you got cancer? Can I pray for you? I know somebody who wants to heal you right now. You see, because you feel so loved, that's when you're able to love others. I like that. Yes, that's right. Amen. We've got to learn to be rooted and grounded in it. But you see, why? Why did God choose to do it in such a radical way? I mean... For some people, you know, that kind of looks like, well, God is so much love. And they see that as being a weakness. Almost like God is that weakling kind of guy, you know. He loves everybody. Peace. Uh -uh. There's so much power in love. There's so much strength in love. And you know why God chose to to do it this way? To love us with such a radical love when we are lovely and when you're not lovely, when you're usable and when you're not, when you are, I've done everything right and when you've messed up the most. God loves you unconditionally, no strings attached because God knows that love is a much greater motivator than fear is. You see, if you're rude, we talked about being rooted and grounded in love. That means you grow, you are so stable in the love of God. Especially when you mess up. That you know, yeah, I messed up, but the Father loves me so much. And that takes faith. And you know, faith pleases God. So when you are the, the, the worst time... When you feel so unworthy, that is at that moment that you remind yourself by faith. You don't feel it. You don't see it. Nobody's going to throw you a parade. On the contrary, everybody's going to try to maybe turn their back on you or point the finger at you. Or tell you what you did wrong. It's at this time that you've got to plant yourself and root yourself and say... God loves me. He, I am so, I'm highly favored. He loves me. Oh, he's passionate about me. He's got he, my name tattooed on his hand. He's got my picture in his wallet. Oh, glory to God. But you see, love is such a greater motivator than fear. You see, in the Old Testament, under the law, 
You know, people were motivated by fear, but Jesus came to free us. Perfect love cast out all fear. That unhealthy fear I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the reverential fear of God, which is honor and awe and just love. That dread, that fear of punishment. Jesus came to free us from all of that because God knows uh, that love will motivate us much much, much more and help us to grow much, much more that fear ever would do. You see, if your root is right, your heart, which is the inner you, your heart, your root, your, if your motivation, your inner motivation and motivated by fear, obligation, or kind of condemnation, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 17. He says, if a tree is bad, it will bear bad fruit. But if a tree is good, it's going to bear good fruit. You see, if you are rooted, do you see it? If you are rooted in that kind of love, the love of the Father, without even trying, you're going to grow fruit. And your fruit are going to be good. What does the Bible say in Roman? It is the Wrath of God that leads you to repentance. Is that what it says? Uh Uh-uh. It says it's the goodness of God that leads you, brings you to repentance. Which repentance is a way of thinking, a a change in the way you think, which will change the way you act. That's what repentance, it's the goodness of God that will lead you, drive you to God. Oh, hallelujah. That's the reason why one of my favorite verse, 1 John 4.19. 1 John 4.19. We love him. Why? Because he loved us first. You see, when we understand how much God loves us, you know what happened? We love him. And you know why God is chosen to do it that way? He's wanting to build an atmosphere around us of love, of security, of just where we feel so loved, so secure. We're not afraid to make mistakes. And it's in that kind of atmosphere and environment that you can grow and you can blossom, ladies. You like some of you like a rose just wanting to blossom, wanting to open up. But you've been all that time walking under that unworthiness, feeling like you're not enough. You're never going to please God enough. You don't do enough. You might be reading five chapters. The devil will come telling you should have read ten. You might have prayed 30 minutes. You'll say, you should have prayed one hour. But when you feel so loved and so accepted by God unconditionally, it's going to cause you to not only love him back, but it's going to cause you to walk straight, to live right. You're going to produce what we call the fruits of righteousness. And fruit, what do they do? They grow from a tree. Then you, remember, you've got to be rooted and planted in love. Whole glory to God. God wants to build an atmosphere and love and security. I mean, we even see that with children. Right, Sharon? If you see a little child that grows up, like little Ella... She grows up in a family that she is, I mean, nurtured in love, in acceptance, in, in, in all of that good stuff. And you see a child, you can recognize a child that has been nurtured and that has been in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. And they, oh, they grow and they become secure and they become effective and they they develop right, but you see a child that is that grew in a, in a wrong kind of atmosphere. You can tell that right there. I mean, have you, ladies, have you ever been under? Because we see God as that, we see the Father God as, as that excessive 
perfectionist. You know, excessive compulsive, you know, like God suffers OCD. Compulsive, excessive perfectionist that is always looking over our back, measuring us, and checking to see if we're doing everything right. And that's how we see God. But let me ask you, have you ever been around a person like that? Have you ever been around a person that is like, I mean, you go to their house. I mean, everything is straight. Everything is clean. And I mean, and, 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 and I, you can look at under that kind of parents, look at their kids. The kids are walking like this. They are afraid to spill the milk and break the vase, you know. And then if they do, there is, you know, hell happening. Now, let me ask you this. When you, when you are an, around that kind of person, what does happen to you? You know, you are under that kind of a perfectionist. What does it do to you? It makes you nervous. And you don't, you, you're there, you don't want like, you know, like that kid to break the vase. And you don't want to, you know, spill the milk. And because you try so hard, pow, you do it both at the same time. And then you feel like, oh, I'm sorry, 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 I'm sorry. But God is not like that. God is not looking over your shoulder. He's not measuring you up to see if you do everything right. God's love is unconditional. He loves you just the way you are. When you are lovely and when you're not. When you act right and when you, you don't. And now I love that. You know that, that the picture that I have of God. You know how many of you have kids? Go back to the, the time. When your kids did his first step, right? And how did, you know, how you, that little kid just started to do one step. And his legs were like plastic, right? Rubber. And then what happened? Bam, he fell. But now how did you react? Did you go, that's your son. I can't believe he can't walk. <laughs> and just... Put him and put him a little and said, you're no good. You can't even walk. Mm -mm. What do you do? You go gaga. You go, my goodness. Look, mama, mama, daddy, daddy, come here. Come here. Look at him. Look at our son. He's walking. He's walking. Look at it. Oh my gosh. Look at, and I mean, photo like Hollywood. But that's how God is. You know, you and I, we are learning to walk by faith. We are learning to walk by faith and we get a little shaky. And we might fall once in a while. But God is not in heaven going, I can't believe, look at them. Oh, they can't even, they fell again and they fell again. Oh. No, God is there in heaven cheering you on. The Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And now let's look at it together, because it's quite powerful. In Romans chapter 8. In verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, I want you to notice that in the rest of that passage, Paul is answering a question with another question. That is the, the format here. He's asking a question, answering with a question. So, what he's saying, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? And in my Bible, the it is, is an italic, meaning it's been added. It's not in the original. So you know how it reads in the original? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? God who justifies? Question mark. We know the answer. If God sent his son to justify you, is he going to condemn you? It's silent in that church tonight. The answer is no. Who is he who condemns? 
Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who even has the right hand of God making intercession for you. Paul is saying, my goodness, Jesus died for you. Who is it that is going to condemn you? God, he died for you. Who is he going to bring a charge against you? Jesus? No, he shed his blood. And he's making intercession for you like he did for Peter. I pray that your faith will not fail. That's the love of the Father. Oh, I pray that it sinks into your heart. But you see, the problem that most of us, we have a hard time accepting this love. Why? Because we've got something. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs 23 verse 7, so is he. You see yourself, you, you see yourself a certain way. Because you don't, and many of you don't like yourself. Some of you, you may even hate yourself. You hate your personality. And you said, I hate myself. How could God love me? You cannot accept that love because you don't even accept yourself. How could God love you? Well, you know, I used to hate my personality. I wanted to be like Sharon, like sweet and calm. I just wanted to be that type of personality, you know, that everybody liked. Because I was so sweet. And I was so... But I'm like a bull in a china cabinet. I'm like a firecracker. Plus, my goodness, I married in a southern family. And I get those eyebrows, you know, from my mother-in-law. You know what I'm talking about? I don't fit the mold of the sweet little southern belle. So I would just hate who I was. I hated my personality. I would be like, God, if I only could be sweet and calm and just pause and always like, yeah. But then God just rebuked me one day and he said, Audrey, if I wanted you... Otherwise, I would have made you otherwise. I made you the way you are for a purpose. And all of a sudden, I realized that what I saw as a weakness was truly my greatest strength. God knew that I needed that kind of personality to go where I go. To kill some sacred cows. To stand in front of pastor all dressed in white looking at me and saying, what has this little white girl got? God knew I needed this kind of personality that was strong, not afraid of anything to do what he called me to do. So you know now, but now let me add this. Any strength, if you take it to the extreme, will become a downfall. So you see, your personality, your, what you hate the most about you really is your greatest asset. You just had to learn to balance it with the gifts and the fruit, the fruit, excuse me, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, like me, I've got to work, I, I've got to round it off with a little kindness, with a little gentleness and patience. I'm working on it. But you see, once I understood that that was my strength and I needed to develop it, not try to shove it down. You see, some of you, you hate yourself. You cannot accept the love of God because you hate your personality. And now let me ask this also. You see, I can hear you think. And you think, well, that's easy for you to say, Audrey, to the love, to accept the love of God. Because sometimes people tend to see us right here behind the pulpit and they kind of feel like we got it all together or we've got a, you know, no problem. We just came out of the mold. I mean, that almost like 99.9% perfect. I mean, you know what I mean? Sometimes you can tend to look at people that are behind the pulpit or that are in the ministry looking like, well, yeah, look at, they're so happy. They're so joy. I mean, look at her. She's so joyful and happy and excited and pew. She's truly, life must be so nice. But you see, that's a big lie. I mean, you heard awesome, awesome message from Courtney last night. And you see Courtney, who is so sweet, who's kept her heart so tender. And she's got such a passion. But look at what she went through. And you know, when I, 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 that's the first time I'll ever share this. But when I was four years old, 
When I was four years old, I was, to, I was taken by two teenagers who were around probably 16, 17 into a dirty basement. They pulled their pants down and I remember they pulled my little pants down. And then from there I don't remember anymore. God is so merciful that he caused me to kind of black out. I don't know what they did with me down there in that basement. I really don't know God for one reason or the other. That four-year-old little heart and little brain just kind of blocked it out. But when I got out of there, apparently had been so traumatized that I was stuttering all the time. And my parents had to take me to it. I remember taking me to a doctor, four-year-old. Until, you know, for a little while, I had to go to a doctor. Because I to all the time. But I thank God. And then I grew up, the last of five kids. As the last of five kids, I mean, I, I, I had a family. My oldest sister, I mean, she was like the Indiana Jones. She spoke five languages perfectly. I mean, French, English, German, Italian, and Spanish. And then I had my brother who was the soccer superstar. Played for Monte Carlo. And then I had another sister. She was a brain. She was a judge. The youngest in her class. And then I had another sister. She was beautiful. I mean, she was a beauty. Blonde with blue eyes. And then I was the last one. I was always told the... The youngest, you're too young to understand. Be quiet. You don't, you don't know anything. And then I was told, not only by my family, but by my, my teachers, that I wasn't really smart. So I got, I remember as a 11 year old, I got so mad. Cause they said, you're not smart. You're not as smart as your sister. You know, the judge, the brain. So I got so mad that I remember being in school and thinking, I'm just going to show them that I'm smart. So I excelled. I just went and I, I did really good that year. But then what happened? All the other kids, no one wanted to talk to me. I had no friend. They would mock me. They would call me, oh, you're the teacher's favorite. And nobody would want to talk to me or play with me. So f- you know what happened? All of a sudden I realized, well, it's probably better to be dumb and popular. So I decided it's better to be dumb than smart. So I kind of gave up and went through schools as a teenager, so kind of floating through school, whatever, kissara, sara. But then I got saved. You see, I got saved and all of a sudden I realized that these were lies spoke. You see, words are powerful. Words are powerful. And I got to come and take, make a decision. When I discovered in the word that the mind of Christ was in me. And I discovered in the word that I was loved by God. And that he has put his divine ability in me. And then I discovered in the word that God anointed people even to build the tabernacle. People who were just slaves and knew nothing. We're able to build a beautiful tabernacle and do all kind of things. So I decided, okay, they said I was stupid. They said I would do nothing. They said I was too young to understand. I was just shut up and not talk. And I decided that's enough. I refuse that lie. You see, there is a word in Isaiah 54 verse 17. Isaiah 54 verse 17 that says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you, in judgment, you shall condemn. And that moment I decided that I needed to cancel those words. That I was going to choose to believe what God said about me instead of believing what other people said about me. And from that moment I decided that if there is something I wanted to do, there would be nothing that would be impossible. That whatever I put my heart to, I could do it. And from that moment, I decided to rise. I decided to do what people said cannot be done. But it's a matter of choosing. And you see, there are some, you know, words are so powerful. Words are so powerful. You see, there are some of you here, you don't, you don't love yourself because of the way you look. You don't like yourself. You look at yourself. You say, look at that. You don't even want to look at yourself in the mirror. You hate who you are. You know, beauty is subjective. 
We say it's in the eye of the beholder. I used to hate my nose. I always thought that's a pointy nose. People would make, you know, I remember being a kid and a doctor made fun of my nose. Says, look at that little pointy nose. And that just stuck with me. But you know, I went to Asia and the women over there said, oh, we want your nose. Can we have your nose? And I thought, anytime, let's switch. They have those cute little, little nose. They saw my nose as being beautiful, and I saw their nose as being beautiful. And I remember growing up, and now that's this why, it's like I, I said, it's, I love what Courtney said yesterday. You can either choose to be a victim, but you'll never be a victor. And a victim like, why me, God? Why did that happen? And just kind of lay down and cry about yourself. You'll never rise up. You've got to come to that place where you said, those words that were spoken over me, I'm going to cancel them. I remember growing up, they would always call me, you long-legged bird. Giraffe. Because I was born and raised in the south of France, and I was the tallest in my family. And in my school, I was usually the tallest. Always made fun of me. You long-legged bird. And they just no kind of, and you know, in my little head, and in my little heart, you know, I saw myself as a giraffe. I saw myself as that. And so I would always, always wear, like tonight, our little flat shoes. Always wear flat. Never would wear any heels. Because I always saw myself like a giant, like a giraffe, you know. And then, now, let me see how sweet God is. And it's really not about, you know, your heart, your thought. It's about being free in your heart. And not long ago, it's probably... A few months ago, I was doing a ladies' conference in Switzerland. And there was that lady, she was a beautician that was part of the conference. She was giving ladies advice about how to dress, how to make up, how to do all that stuff. And I noticed that lady was a toilet, but she got like, she had some whammo heels. I mean, and she was on stage. And I remember looking at her thinking, what a beautiful lady. What a beautiful woman. But she had like big heels. And then it's interesting because I, 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 I went, after the conference, I went, um, well, the next day I went with, a uh, lady took me out shopping there, and we got in that store, and at the front of the store there was that pair of shoes, I mean, pew, big heels. And I remember looking, you know, at those shoes, I mean, the beautiful shoes, look at that. And my friend said, well, why don't you try them? And I said, oh, no, 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 you don't. Not me. Can you believe if I wear those? I mean, woo, you won't even, you go like this. And I said, ah, no, that's not for me. I can't wear no heels like that. Uh-uh. She said, really? And so I got in, try a little dress, cute little dress. And then the sales girl said, oh, she said, don't move. I've got just a pair of shoes for you. She goes, she brings those big heels. And I went, uh-uh, no, I'm not. She said, why not? I mean, just go, just, just humor me, put them on. I say, okay, so I put them on and I put them. She said, man, that looks awesome on you. My friend's like, Audrey, you need to get them. And I say, ah, no, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna wear, I've never wore heels, I'm never gonna wear those heels. And then we left the, the store, I bought a little dress and I brought some flat shoes. And then the next day, we go back, you know, and, and to the conference, and that, uh, um, that beautician is there, but now she's wearing little shoes like me. And I'm looking, and she's the same height that I am. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, she doesn't look any different than when she had the heels. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me, the reason why you just as tall as she is, but you saw her beautiful. You saw yourself as a giraffe, as a long-legged bird. You saw yourself. You, it was like a little invisible prison that I had put inside of my heart. But now, you know what I had to do? I all of a sudden realized that I, without realizing I had believed the lie. And you know where that, my family, my brother would always make fun of me of my legs and my height. You know, I realized why he was making fun of me and mocking me and calling me. Because really in, in himself, he was the one that was feeling insecure about himself. It's insecure people that are going to speak negative things about you. And all of a sudden just computed and God said, if 
you want to wear heels, you can wear heels. Be free. And now, like I said, it's not a matter of heels or no heels or height. It's a matter of being free from anything. And you know what I did? I went to my friend. I said, let's go back and let's buy those shoes. And I went and bought those shoes. And then I came back and I bought me another pair of shoes. But you know, here, what's funny. The first day I bought those really nice high shoes. And, I, and, and the first day I, I wore them, somebody came to me and said, Gee, you surely are tall today. <laughs> usually that would have devastated me. It would have made me want to take the shoes off. and said, you see. But you know what happened? I heard, I heard that person said, you surely are tall tonight. It didn't hurt me. All of a sudden I realized, Audrey, you are free. And now, man, last night I wore heels and I enjoy it. I wear heels all the time. And I'm free. And you know why I wear them? It's not because of heels. Every time I wear them, I said, devil, I'm free. <laughs> and but it makes me wonder, what else is the devil's been lying about? And I've accepted. What else people have said? Hallelujah. So it's about, to not about accepting who you are. Loving yourself as you are. In your personality. In the way you look. Loving yourself within if you have a past that is hurting. Even if you feel like you're not all together. You know, let me add this. There is an art. It's called the art of Kinshusu. You ever heard it? It's a Japanese art. They take broken pottery. Pottery that is all falling apart, broken. That people would just put in the trash. Or just get rid of. Unusable. The Japanese take them. And glue them. And add some gold dust to the glue. And put it together. And that it becomes such a beautiful piece of pottery so beautiful that I mean people pay thousands of dollars for a piece of kinshusu you see that's how God sees you you're valuable you're unique you might not like the way you look you might not like your personality you might not like some things you did but everything all of that contribute of being you this unique piece of art that there's no two like you And if you try to be somebody else, who is going to be you? And looking on yourself saying, yeah. And I love what Courtney said yesterday. She said, I'm not afraid to bring my, to show my scars. Because all of that, that little piece of scar revealed that you are unique. You are the past. And it's that past that makes you unique. It's those mistakes you made that you overcame that makes you unique. All of your mistake, all of your past, all of who you are, the way you, all of that makes you who you are, makes you unique, makes you valuable, makes you precious, makes you worth the blood of Jesus. So tonight, that is the whole thing about the, the message, learning to accept who we are in order to accept the love of the father, because the father is waiting just to love you in a radical way. No limit, no string. He wants to bless you, spoil you, do things for you to bless you, do just to take you to places you've never dreamed you could go, fulfill your dreams, and, 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 and change your marriages. Here it is. Here's a thank you, Holy Ghost. Some of you have some problem in your marriage. Why? Because you are not able to love your husband or receive the love of a husband. Because you don't like yourself. Why? Because people have spoken things over your life. They've said things about you and to you. But tonight is the time to take a decision to say no more. I'm going to cancel those lies. I'm going to cancel those words. And we've got to do it. So tonight, this is, this is going to be our altar call. If you know that you've set limits in your heart, that you've not been able to really receive all of the love of God, because you've, you felt you, you, you've had an image of yourself where you don't like yourself, or people, if people have said 
things about you. I've spoken words to you or about you that have put you like that invisible cell that you kept yourself in. If that's your guess, you said, you know, I want to be free tonight. I want to cancel those words. You know, maybe your father or your parents or your family or your friends or your husband. People, you know how it is. We, words are so powerful. The Bible says they bring life or death. And words could just kill you in your life, so to speak. Or they could rise you up. But tonight we're going to cancel those words. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a second. And I'm going to ask you. If you know that's your case. You said, I've been limited. I've not been able to receive the fullness of God's love. Because I haven't felt like I deserve that love. Because of I felt insufficient. Because somebody is spoken for one reason or the other, or maybe somebody's spoken words over me. If that's your case, I want to see your hand. If you want to be free from those words, you want to cancel those words. Man, hallelujah. But you know, let's do another thing. Let's take another step because I want to lay my hands on you. I want you to get up and come to the front. If you said, I want tonight to cancel those words and I want to be set free and walk out of that cage. I want to remove those limits. Just go forward so that everybody, hallelujah, free from those words says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every word spoken against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You, we are going to cancel those words. You are going to cancel because you know who spoke to you. You know those words. That might be one or more than one person's. But let me say something. The first step is you're going to have to choose to forgive those people. You're going to have to make that step of faith that says, they spoke those words, but I forgive them. You're going to have to choose to forgive, to let those people go, forgive them. And then we're going to pray that those words will have no longer any effect upon your heart, upon you. That those words will be canceled, ineffective, useless And that you will be free from those words. Never, never to keep you in bondage ever again. But you know after just like here is a thing. You know what it is that limits you. Whether it's your physical or it's your personality or whatever it is. I mean I gave you that example of me in the shoes. You know what after I realize and I cancel those words and I choose to expose the lie and said I'm getting out of here. I am I'm choosing to be free from that. You know what I had to do? I do I, I did an act of faith. I went and bought the shoes. I mean that's a little illustration. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or for example when people said, you know you you're stupid you're never going to do much. I say, uh-uh, I'm going to, no, I'm going to do anything that I need to do. I'm going to do it. And now I amaze myself because I've, I've done things, but I've never learned to do. Never, nobody ever showed me, but I said, Holy Ghost, if you anointed the people in the temple, you're going to show me how to do that. And I never go with, I can't attitude. I say, uh-uh, I'm smart. I've got the Holy Ghost living in me. It's him and I. We can do anything. And I, my act of faith is, I believe what God says about me and I act on it. And you know every one of you. It's not just praying tonight. Tonight we're going to, you're going to forgive those people. We're going to cancel those words. But then your little homework is going to be to, okay, I'm going to walk in my freedom. Whatever that is, you know exactly what is it that you need to do to walk in your freedom. You might say, I accept what God says about me. I am loved. 
and I'm gonna for some of you it might you might need to go rejoicing ha 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 he 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 ho 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 for some of you it might I don't know you know one time I I I, I it's amazing I grew up in a poor family I mean I, I was the last of five kids so I wore everybody's underwear you know what I'm talking about and I was afraid of being blessed and God I mean I, I, I and God would bless me and sometimes I'd be ashamed of the blessings of God on my life because I, I, I don't I didn't see myself being able to receive the blessings of God and what God wanted to do and you know what God did I remember as a young woman a missionary single missionary I only had you know $60 in my pocket that's all I had and you know what God told me he said I want you to go and buy yourself something nice for yourself I'm like ah! I mean all the fuses wanting to go I only had $60 in my pocket and I was a single missionary but God said ah, you've got to break that, 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 that limit that, that I want to bless you you've got to see how much I want to bless you so go and do something nice buy something for yourself man I sweated when I did it but I did it and then I realized that God just wanted to bless me. And then shoo, he blessed me more. And then he blessed me more. Do you understand what I'm saying? It takes prayer, but then it takes action to walk in that freedom. So you can experience the love of God. Are you ready? I want you to close your eyes. Nobody needs to know about it. But you know those words that have been spoken, who spoke them to you? Who just scarred your heart with their words? Who put you in an invisible jail with their words? And I want you right now between you and God to tell the Father you forgive that person. Said, I forgive John, or I forgive Peter, or I forgive Susie, or I forgive. Father, 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 thank you, Lord. You are so good, Father. You are so good. Father, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, according to your word, you see those words that have produced death in their life, in those precious daughters of yours. Right now, with the authority that we've received from Jesus Christ, in his name, we cancel those words right now, spoken over every one of them. We say words, you are condemned. You are canceled. Words, you stop right now. You will no longer keep those ladies in prison. You will no longer hinder them from being everything God wants them to be. I declare that you are free from the harvest of those words. You are free from those words. You are released from those words. Some of you ladies, you have never heard a kind word or a blessing from your mother. You know, it was not, just a few months ago, I was with a friend and she did some kind of a massage on me with oil, essential oil. And, and she was praying over me. And then all of a sudden she said, the Lord is telling me to speak a blessing of a mother, a mother's blessing over you. 
And she started to pray a blessing over me. And all of a sudden, I started to weep, weep, and weep. And I realized that I never really received any kind words from my mother. Some of you tonight, the Lord is telling me that it's time for you. If you allow me, if I can stand in proxy of your mother, close your eyes. Some of you, close your eyes. And imagine that these words are coming from the mouth of your mother. Precious daughter, I loved you from the moment you were in my womb. Please forgive me. I never told you I loved you. Forgive me for not taking you in my arm and sharing, cherishing you. You are beautiful, my daughter. You are everything I ever wanted, but yet I never told you. Forgive me for hurting you with my words. I remember that day when you came back from school with that little drawing. You were so proud, but yet I just threw it on the table and never told you how proud and how much I loved you. Daughter, you are precious, precious to me. As your mother, tonight I want to tell you that I love you, that I accept you, that I treasure you. Forgive me for hurting you. <laughs> 